listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Katz and Pot Green. Yeah! <laughs> What's happening, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, everybody. This Monday, February 19th, this is our organic podcast. I'm Jamie Cass. And I'm Pot Green. Hey, how's it going, Pot? It's going good, Jamie. What's happening with you? We're hanging. I'm feeling good, feeling healthy. Glad to be alive, my friend. Yes, yes. We've got sunshine here in Northern Cal today. It's beautiful. We're uh, blessed with, with uh with super tall grass at this point and, and super uh, good grass too. Hey, I think a lot of people can relate to some super tall, good grass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a lot's been going on since we talked last week, um, in the, in the pot community. Um, uh, I've, uh, got a, a couple of events to announce here to see next uh march 12th through 14th in san francisco is the students for sensible drug policy 11th annual international conference hmm. if you are a current student and member of ssdp you can um you can attend for only 60 dollars by filling out an online survey if you are a student member and don't do the survey it's 100 bucks for alumni members, it is 150, and then for non-members, it is 200 dollars. There's also going to be International Canvas and Hemp Expo in San Francisco on April 17th and 18th, my the weekend of my 30th birthday at the Excellent. Cow Palace. Yes, and it's cheap. It's uh, the tickets for that are I think less than like around 20 bucks a day. So they're not trying to to they're trying to go with getting a whole bunch of people whereas uh, i guess the student for sensible drug policy is going to be a smaller gig um, not really an expo it's going to be more of a um, convention i guess so uh, there's the difference between those two uh, on news um, this has been kind of uh, troubling to me um, despite the obama administration's promise uh, the DEA continues to raid medical marijuana growers in mm. Colorado. Uh, Thursday of last week, um, a Denver news station interviewed Chris Barkowitz um, about his medical marijuana operation in his basement of his home. Uh, he be- believed that he was compliant with state laws and um, was quoted as saying, I'm definitely living the dream now. The following day, DEA raided his homes, placed him under arrest, and carried off his equipment and weed. Um, mm. yep. The, uh, the agent in charge says this is definitely a violation of federal law and it's not medicine. We're still going to continue to investigate and arrest people. Uncle Sam says no dreams for you. Your dream is not the American dream. The green dream is not American. Apparently. <laughs> now I wonder if this is like rogue sort of behavior. Um, you know, I don't know. The uh, the the what the you know what the deputy U.S. attorney said in the October memo was, do not target pay people that are in clear and unambiguous compliance with existing state laws providing for the medicinal use of marijuana. Right. Um, so I guess that as direction 
to the DEA is kind of vague because being in unambiguous compliance with laws that don't really have, you know, black or white sort of um, direction in them is kind of difficult. I guess that kind of leaves them the free reign to do what they want. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's the news. They've continued uh, raiding. They're continuing to raid, or they've started raiding again in Colorado. Um, and then uh, the Olympics kicked off last week, um, and the torch went straight through the pot block in uh, B.C. Nice. And um, there was the uh, cannabis culture headquarters took the uh, obviously took advantage of it and tried to raise awareness while it was going through there. Um, the cops and the First Nations group changed the direction of the of the torch, rerouted it another direction. However, no. my biggest point for this is the, the International Committee of Olympics (IOC), the International Olympic Committee, knew mm-hmm. that knew that British Columbia is a pro pot area in the world, and they still chose Vancouver for the Mm -hmm. Olympics. So they obviously didn't see it as being too bad of a thing to not allow the Olympics there. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if they're that concerned about testing, they better bring a a truckload of testing tools with them (laughs) to to Vancouver, BC, because, you know, a lot of this, a lot of these athletes are pretty, uh, privy to the truth about cannabis and i mean i know they have a lot to risk you know due to the rules that are imposed upon them but my gosh i don't know if anywhere else in the planet that would be more of a temptation having the best bc bud everywhere around you you know whole time you're there definitely temptation but especially with snowboarders and skiers i mean right i i know that in their cannabis is a big part of their culture um so there are several international athletes that are have basically probably stopped using marijuana for the last at least six months to qualify Uh and to be able to to, because you know i mean it would suck for sean i mean i i kind of would imagine sean white probably doesn't smoke weed because Uh, sean got popped yeah yeah so you know it would suck for sean white to go up there and rip some gnarly shit on the half pipe win a gold medal and then go pee positive for some weed um, and not be able to to keep his medal. So I'm sure these kids are all being very, very safe about using marijuana. Sure. Because they're also, I mean, because to that, you know, to them, the dream is the competition. It's, yeah. um, and the, you know, but having said that, I'm sure there's a lot of athletes there that have used um, that use marijuana when they're not in the big competitive. Uh, mode, you know. So. Absolutely, you know. Um, it's a, it it kills me the double standard they hold, where cannabis makes you dumb and lazy and non-productive, and and it, it hinders your performance. Yet you get you get tagged for for having cannabis in your system while you're competing in the Olympics. It's it's the it's the ugliest double standard I've ever seen. I thought it makes you not do anything, you know. Right, right. You can't. Yeah, you you, you know you wouldn't perhaps be a radical snowboarder or anything like that uh yeah a little cannabis in your system you know, you know. yeah well those snowboarders are some pretty cool laid-back guys but really you know they're privy they know what's up they're smart enough to prioritize prioritize their time i think that's what they're doing they, they understand the fact that hey you know what i can light up now and lose the potential millions of dollars that goes with uh, uh a gold medal or I can prioritize my time to do that thing first, and then afterwards, 
I can afford great bud and plenty of free recreational time to light up as much as I want to. So, yeah, <laughs> prioritizing is important, right? I mean, all aspects of life is important. I mean, I, 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 you know, people should always be sensitive. use of any substance. It's good that these kids can do that, you know. Yeah, so hopefully it'll go smooth. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully no one gets busted smoking dope with the... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Can you imagine? It might... It almost... I wonder how that that works. I wonder how it works, right? Like, so you win a gold medal, you go and you piss. Can you light up right then and and smoke dope and then, like, get caught? Would they take your medal away, like, for smoking dope after? After? Yeah, I don't know about that, you know? It's a good thing I'm not in the Olympics because I would be just the guy to do something like that, right on national TV. (laughs) Right? Hey, I just won, and they just passed my pee test. They're like, oh, we lost your urine. Like, oh, no! (laughs) And I I imagine they probably do hair samples for... Or blood, or I mean, I imagine it's a little bit more difficult than, than like you know your PP test to get a job with Stanley Steamer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least I, I would think you know. Um, you got any more news on? You got any more news, Jamie Cass? Um, I don't. I like to announce next next uh, show. I will be working on something this week to get the details down, Pat. I don't like talking about this type of information without having everything pretty accurate. Um, there's 12 states with pending legislation or ballot measures to legalize medical marijuana across the state. And in the next show, I will be detailing a little bit more about where those are and what those entail in a brief uh, format. Um, also, we have something going on in Illinois here. It's uh, been sent back to the let me see the status i call it up here it went to the second reading in the house last may it went worked its way through uh they added another alternate chief co-sponsor um they re-referred it to the rules committee it's coming to the first let me see january 29th it was placed on the calendar order for a third reading so our our state sponsored uh medical legislation it's sb 1381 um in front of the 96 96th general assembly is uh finally going to get its third reading which looks um promising um very iffy but but very promising as you know illinois is a very staunch uh police uh oriented state law and order tough on crime type environment and uh they're really big on their state cops and their state cops have a, a particularly uh uh, distinct attitude. In they get in your car time. no matter what. They do. They do. There's 950,000 different ways they can gain access to your stuff. So it doesn't really matter. You know, they're going to find a way. Oh, you're, you didn't wipe the snow off of your license plate before you went to get milk, and that's an obscured license plate, and we don't even know who you are. That's a threat. <laughs> We're going to have to check your glove box for marijuana cigarette. <laughs> you, uh, when I asked you that question, you looked down into the left, not down into the right. We, that's that's uh, definitely um, probable that's cause it. for us to search your vehicle. We believe you're smoking dope. Uh, right. That was a that behavioral was indicator right there. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'll keep uh, keep an eye on this uh, local bill, uh, SB 1381. It looks pretty promising. The, 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 the reason I say that this one actually looks somewhat promising is because it's it's sponsored. The primary sponsors 
is uh, an ex-prosecutor. So he has very solid ties um, and favorable ties with the law enforcement community, who is the biggest barrier in Illinois. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get past this. They're, they're, you know how they whittle things down. Sometimes they know they need something to go through bad enough. They'll just stick with it and go the long haul, but they don't necessarily stay behind the original uh, arrangement that they started out with, and it, it, they start making trades and negotiations. Who knows? We might we might not make it, and we'll keep trying, or we might make it and have the ability to have one plant or something absurd like that. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we'll keep you updated on that one and uh, hope for the best for sure. Let's hope for the best. I know that whole block up there of states is looking at going medical. You got Michigan that just yeah. went medical. And that was huge. Illinois. Yeah, it was huge, and they actually their their law seems very beneficial for that area. It uh, looks Absolutely. like it will there will be a potential for um, dispensaries there, and they have not. They do allow you to be uh, in the law. It says you can be a profitable business to run to uh, as far as being involved in medical marijuana in the state of uh, Michigan. Um, but then their neighbor, you guys, Illinois and Wisconsin and Minnesota are also all looking at becoming medical states. So you'd have a, a block of four states connected together, um, which would start basically, it would start the blue, it would be a, a it look, if you look at the map really, the blue states are all moving to medical faster than the red states, and it, that just kind of follows along with that whole sort of trend, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. I think uh, the the falling in the Midwest, that will be, or I guess from our opinion, it would probably be the rising up of the Midwest, would probably be the 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 tipping point for the, the national discussion on medical cannabis. I mean, I've been extensively involved with activism for numerous years now and in the in the Midwestern area primarily and the the most common or prevalent thing that I hear from senators and uh, legislators that I speak to is it's not going to happen in the Midwest. Not in the Midwest. And particularly Illinois is is the the majority of the time. But I've heard it outside of Illinois as well. That's just a common theme. And they get together and they talk. They have dinners. They know each other. They're colleagues. That that becomes kind of a united sort of solidified theme after a while of repeating it enough times. And I think that they just had this notion that it's it we're impervious. It's never it can happen everywhere in this nation, but it won't happen in the Midwest. Not in our backyard. And when Michigan broke. Not only was that monumental, but it was also the second largest state that had a medical cannabis law in the country, I mean, next to California. So that is fantastic news. So we'll see. I didn't send them any crows. I was very tempted, and I thought, you know, don't push it. I'm starting to build a relationship with these guys. So, But I was I was tempted to send a lot of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was just the, the supply and demand. I couldn't find the actual, like, mock dead crow model or something you know to send them i didn't want to send them actual birds but uh, i was you delighted birds? why do you kill yes. birds jamie God, yes, my son right. loves birdies you kill <laughs> birds and people crows um you know my last piece of news today is uh last week um normal the big dog in the marijuana movement the one that's been around the longest and definitely has the most cash flow has put together enough money to run a primetime ad and they bid for a primetime ad with cbs it would have been shown during uh your regular weekly primetime um programming um, and it would have also been shown during uh, big-time sporting events throughout the weekends and stuff. And obviously, it is a pro 
uh, legalization advertisement. CBS turned it down. Um, ah. I, um, <laughs> there's not much that CBS turns down. I'm a little confused at why they turned it down. Um, but I guess we will get deeper into this issue um, as it sort of evolves. There are online petitions to fill out. Um, I would recommend sending a letter to CBS uh, and uh, telling them that you don't appreciate them um, not allowing our message to be sent. If we're paying the money that they want for a time slot and they've got time slots available, um, cannabis is a very worthy subject to be um, commercialized, politically speaking. I mean, if you can get on there and slam politics, if, if CBS will sell advertisement, uh, swift boat ads, things like that, there's definitely no justification for not allowing pro-cannabis advertisement on, on, their, uh, on their programming. So mm-hmm. um, now I'd say it's time for us to go to the talk of the town smoke time time to medicate we don't have a name for what our daily uh daily issue is here but uh main topic yeah our main topic the main topic for today is so here's what's going on in california in california we have always had the most pot in the united states and that's just uh just the way it's been we've been um, cultivating it to a larger extent in any other state for 30, 40 years now. Um, the best pot it used to be, uh, when I was a kid, like that's where the kind buds came from, California, mm-hmm. California. When I was a kid, I remember... Right, row. A quarter oh. back then, hey. still the same prices. Why is it still the same price? I don't get it. Shouldn't it I have don't raised get it. or should it have lowered? Why hasn't it changed? What do you think, Jamie? What do you think's going on there? You know, I really don't know. Uh, shamefully, I have to admit, I I remember when it was seventeen fifty a quarter. I remember that. And uh, <laughs> for your Mexi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and then uh, we we started getting some some better quality weed, and it was reasonably prior. They kept the same pricing structure for for the initial. Uh, I don't know, several years, whenever I first came into my, into my sphere anyway. And, uh, and then all was of a sudden, this, I don't know where weed? this, that was fantastic weed. Yeah, at, absolutely. At 1750, at 1750, you used to get good weed. Yeah, that's the shameless part. That was a long time ago. How old are you? Let me tell you. In wisdom years? Um, yeah, I, right. uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I noticed this happening, and, and I, I was like, I would like to get a quarter ounce of this. This, but I was a very young child then, you know. And then I got old enough where I thought I was more, you know, I don't know, maybe fifteen, seventeen around there, where I thought I was of age where it was legitimate for me to go and ask somebody and say, "Hey, man, I'd like to get a quarter of this, please." And I thought I was going to pay seventeen fifty, and it was uh, like thirty five dollars. And I thought, wow, wh- how does it? How does it just double like that? And then I think within the next five years or so is when I first got that new, I call it the new pricing structure. Like it came down from some corporate office or something. I don't know where it came from, but they 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 adopt this, and they is just such a vague term. Really, it's sure. just like 
people in general across the nation all of a sudden adopt this kind of a relative pricing structure. And it's been that way ever since, and I don't get it. I don't get it's the it. Fifth, the 51. Oh, it's just easier. It's more set like the metric system. 1750 mm-hmm. is too confusing for people. It should be 50 and 100. Then it's easier to multiply it out. <laughs> doesn't make yeah. much sense. 50, 100 has been, you know, the pretty constant constant price. And then now that the weed is better, it's 60, 120 even. I mean, right. well, uh, you, dude, you can find eights in L.A. for 75 bucks in some places. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in Illinois, in some places where people are unaware of how to access cannabis, they don't know where to go. They don't know anything about this culture or anything about the connections around town. They know a little bit from what they learn that there's some fantastic quality weed, high-grade stuff, you know, and people exploit that limited knowledge. And they'll sell them a, an eighth for like $100, you know. Whoa. People will be like, yeah, right, man. And they love it because it's fantastic. It's delicious and it's really great. And they enjoy it. And they come back and they go, can you give me another one of those? I like, I like six of them, please. <laughs> and, of course, the dude that's the idiot that's ripping them off in this fashion is just delighted, you know, because he's, he's just his pockets are bulging. But, yeah, that, that stuff goes on. And I just, it's, it's a real shame. I don't know if it's based primarily on illegality. I mean, initially that was the the, re- the reasoning behind it is because it's a legal contraband product and, it, and there's risk factors and all that that has to be factored in. And, you know, that, that's the trade-off. But I don't know yeah. how far that really <laughs> – I think maybe they can stretch that to the limit. Well, I think it's here's – the, here's the odd thing. So I'm from western Kentucky, and I know right now to find pot without seeds in western Kentucky, it is extremely difficult. Like, I mean – you probably can't do it this time of year, which to me, from living in California now, I was like, what? You can't find an eighth of nice centimelia? That's really intense because there's hundreds hundreds of pounds available around these parts right this time of year. And I don't, it obviously doesn't get everywhere from California. So in Kentucky, though, here's the deal. It's still 50, 60, and eight for good weed. And it, you know, so like you'd see, it it seemed like if it's that difficult to get the supply there, the price would be increased a little. It really doesn't appear to be. Where it's increased is in the wholesale market. For you to buy wholesale in Kentucky, you either need to travel somewhere that has a lot more to buy it at as low a price as possible, or if it's coming to you, the, the, the wholesale price is higher. In California, every fall, we harvest a lot of outdoor marijuana, and the number continues to increase throughout the state, both in outdoor grows and indoor grows. Everybody wants a piece. Yet. Um, now, here's the thing. A lot of our marijuana is now sold legally, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, in the state of California through our dispensary systems. Um, now, here's what's going on is when outdoor comes through, People that have been buying indoor all year stop buying indoor, and they buy outdoor. And they buy outdoor really cheap, good, quality outdoor pounds are available around here from anywhere from $1,500 to $2,500 a pound in the, in, the, in the busy season. And so a lot of buyers stop purchasing indoor, and they start purchasing outdoor, and they flood the clubs with outdoor, and then only the highest-grade indoor is available uh, to be sold easily to these clubs, and it backs up. And the supply of indoor that's available just increases, 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 and it steadily increases. 
Um, and you have, we have what we call here a buyer's market where the buyers have all the purchasing power and the price for indoor marijuana drops. Um, and in the past, the price had only dropped two or three points every year, and it would last three, four months, and then it would go away and it'd come back to a seller's market. Uh, the last two years, though, the buyer's market has lasted much longer into the year, and this year we've seen the wholesale prices drop a ton. But what we don't see is we don't see $20 eights. We don't see $30 eights. We still see, when it's discounted even, we still see $40 eights. Um, and uh, what I don't get is, is obviously now we're having a supply um, surplus. We have more marijuana in California than we can potentially sell at a retail market, but the price is still staying the same artificially. Now, why is that? Is that because people, I mean, I know that you know, in supply and demand, your price is going to be what people will pay for it. Well, apparently people will pay high prices still for marijuana. Um, but it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that if you're getting, if you're getting $1,500 pounds of super bomb outdoor, why can't you sell $25 eights? You're still going to make that $3,200 a pound. You're still, I mean, you'll make $1,700 off of that. You made more than the grower, the producer made producing it, from selling it, from retailing mm -hmm. it. And it's one of the few businesses where I've seen that, where the retailers really have a lot of the power, and they make a lot of the profit in comparison to the producers and the wholesalers. Um, like you said, in Illinois, you can sell an eight for a hundred bucks. Sometimes, if it's good enough, they'll keep coming back. Well, that means that that, that means you know, if you're selling eight for a hundred bucks, and you buy a pound, then you just made like over thirteen thousand dollars for that pound of weed, or something like that. Total sales, and then your profit margin, even if you bought it for five thousand dollars in Illinois, still over a seven thousand dollar profit off of that pound. You know, if that's how you're slinging it. So at what point does will the prices drop? And why don't they drop? I don't get it. Isn't shouldn't they? Doesn't it seem like if the supply is getting as high as it is that it should become more affordable for um consumers? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the first question you'd probably have to ask is, can it drop? You know, is the cost of producing uh, relative, is it steady? Is it a constant? And so they, no matter how much the backup is, it still costs as much. And we've already discussed that that's not necessarily the case. And they're making much more than it's necessary to produce the cannabis itself. So, yeah, I guess it's just discretion. It's totally discretionary from what it sounds like to me. And I don't know, maybe we ought to start a new trend. Um, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, I think that there are some people that are involved in the business or getting involved in the business that that's what they're going to look for. That's their niche, um, yeah. to try and get in is to try and provide, uh, lower cost. I mean, like for instance, if I was, if I was to get in and, you know, started selling, selling, uh, weed at $10 less per eighth, I imagine if I was selling the same quality as the guy right next door, I imagine that I'd put him out of business or force him to lower his prices as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, w what I see around here is, is I see all these, these growers and producers that have 
lowered their expectations. Their expectations have become lower. They're like, okay, well, I used to get this for it, but now I accept that I'm getting four, five, six hundred dollars less per pound for it, and I just accept it. But the retailers have and had any competition that has forced them to expect lower retail prices, lower profit margin. I mean, they're making a bigger profit margin when they lower the wholesale price and then continue to sell retail at the same price. It seems like that it would kind of go hand in hand. Like if your production price, if, I mean, if the amount you have available to you at wholesale is so high, you can bring the wholesale price down. A business sense would be like, well, then what I'm going to try to do is corner the market and lower the retail price a bit and increase my sales revenue by increasing my customer base. Then forcing, you know, my neighbor or whatever, forcing the entire price down on a product. But it hasn't happened in California. And I guess the reason why is potentially that. We have all these states surrounding us that are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a uh, the dispensaries themselves still off, operate in this huge gray area where the, these people don't pay taxes. They pay some taxes, but they're not paying right. all their taxes. They're not keeping books. They are basically is you know r- running their businesses in a legal gray area, and to some right. extent, I guess illegally. I believe um, Oakland is. Isn't Oakland now? Didn't they pass? They they demanded that they be able to pay taxes, which was landmark. Measure, measure B, yes. Oakland uh, Oakland did that. Oakland's a very odd, uh, a yeah. very odd um, example. Oakland, uh, they produce a lot of their own weed in Oakland, um, but um, which is you know that's fine. I, I think that's a good model, especially if you can start bringing the price down. But from what I see. These dispensaries really don't bring the price down. They offer all these no. services. No one takes advantage of them, and then they offer. They say that they're offering things to uh, to disadvantaged uh, patients, um, but I really, I really haven't seen any evidence that anyone actually can take advantage of these programs. They say that they offer, um, and what I see is still retail sales of fifty, sixty dollars an eighth. Same thing that's mm-hmm. been for years and years and years. And uh, I'm just wondering how we combat that, how we make it more affordable, how um, it happens, how, how that can happen as an as a, a industry standard to make it more. I mean, it's pretty expensive medicine, don't you think? That is quite expensive, actually. Um, one of the biggest positives about using cannabis medicinally is, is the ease of access, well, potential ease of access, and you can just simply grow uh, a plant in your in your own backyard. And now it's, it's it, it really, I think, in practice, most of the time, some of the time it works out that, it works out that way, but most of the time it does, that's not really how it works out. It ends up going through this system like you're speaking of, and you end up paying a lot of money, a lot of money. I mean, if you have a, a serious problem that you're combating with cannabis on a regular basis it takes regular uh contact with cannabis you know you have to have continuous induction of of the the thc and cannabinol cannabinols and to do that you go through some pretty serious you know quantities in a, in a relatively short amount of time and that that really can add up on a monthly level. That can add up to a lot of money. I mean, one of the how biggest much, things. How huh? much do you? How much do you think a light user uses every day? A quarter of a gram, maybe. Like people that smoke every, that use it every day, 
but just very minimally. Maybe they uh, use a quarter quarter gram a day. I would say some of the the more kind of uh, psychological problems or like maybe an anxiety yeah, disorder or some, a mild anxiety disorder where people get kind of uptight and flighty and start, um, you know, it can go into something really like a panic attack or something bad if not treated. But with cannabis, it kind of levels it out. It really is very effective in that way. They might, yeah, they might uh, half a gram or a gram maybe in the day, a little, just a little bit like in the morning and maybe a little bit in the evening, you know. It's pretty intermittent and light. But that's, I don't think that's the... That's that's such a contrast to people that have serious physical like pains or problems of that of you know a physiological or structural nature in their body where there's degeneration or some kind of uh, abnormalities or some just really bad damage within their body. Man, it takes it takes a decent uh, amount of cannabis to treat yourself. I mean, it, it, you might smoke a half gram or a gram at a sitting to really just get rid of that problem or, you know, s- s- at least keep it at bay. And, an eighth and a day, hum- probably, right? I mean, heavy yeah. user, an eighth a day, right? So, I mean, yeah. if you're buying that on the open market, and you really legit- it's like $350, $350 a week. I mean, you're looking at 1400 a bucks a, a week, right? I mean, that that doesn't... Right. Like, is that... how How is that... Uh, makes sense. I mean, yeah. in my opinion, that's almost as bad as prescription drug prices and how expensive so, those can be for people. So he started, he was having these horrible, horrible, unbearable pains, and he started using cannabis. And well, the cannabis worked really great, and it made him feel awesome. But then he had a heart attack worrying about his finances. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stroke. Shit. And, yeah, it caused more anxiety, and he needed to smoke more cannabis. And <laughs> I mean, the prices are outrageous, really. I mean, when I see that supply, I mean, like just in California, for instance, um, we're a state, everything is expensive in California. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, this isn't making sense anymore to me. I mean, in all other businesses that I see, if you have, like, in California, we've got like 1,400, 1,500 dispensaries now or something like that. What is there like? Is it like? Is there like some mob boss going around saying, "Look, you better not ever sell an eighth for less than forty bucks, or I'll come and kill you"? I mean, it's surely the government. The government isn't saying that. We have. You know, I, mean, uh, well, I think that if there is any, if there, if there was any sort of a strong arm involved behind this thing, the the government would be one of my first uh, suspects. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times they'd like to keep things the way they are. For reasons that people don't usually plainly see. I mean, they love the drug war, man. The DEA loves making tons of money and getting heavily financed. And, I mean, they don't really run up against. And they love pot people. They love them, man. If they go about these meth guys, they might have, like, elaborate weapons, tactical weapons and shotguns and hand grenades and who knows what. And these people's mentality is just like, kill them, you know. They go into pop people's house and they're like, why? What are you doing here? Sir, hold on a second. Do you have a warrant? What's going on? And they know they step on their neck. It's easy. They don't have that risk factor nearly as much as they did before. And they just have their big adrenaline push and they go out and they become heroes and everybody goes, great job. All right, Mac, you rock, you know? And they're like, yeah, we scored three joints and a, a ounce of weed. <laughs> and yeah. we shot these people's dog and, you know, hit this guy yeah. in the face and broke their door. And it's like, I see, here's the deal though. I don't, 
it's not fifty dollars an eighth because the government says so. It's fifty dollars an eighth because that's the status quo. It's fifty. That's why our supply has increased so much because people are like, oh wait, there's a recession. Oh wait, there's this. Well, you know what, oh, dude? I can grow weed and make money and and hey, the prices are relatively. High. Wow, I can you know per square foot. This crop is the most profitable most profitable crop in the world and great and so prices. Mm-hmm. Stay the same. Well, imagine there is a certain exclusivity with this price structure. I mean, if the if it was twenty dollars an eighth, imagine how simple and easy it would be for more people to get access to cannabis, and it would be a lot more available. Be a lot more saturated. Not the not the supply, as you were saying, gets built up at times. But I mean, the market itself it would just be saturated. Everybody would have would have lots of plenty of weed, which doesn't sound like such a bad proposition to me, but I don't know. I mean, it, from that aspect, I think law enforcement would, would not be thrilled to death about that idea. That's a, And that's a big step toward acceptance and, and uh, I don't know how you would say it, the, the, the de-demonization of, of cannabis. And, you know, that's a, that in itself is a huge step towards uh, legality. What about greed? You don't think that greed from oh, yeah. the growers, that's, that's, from that's, the sellers, has anything to do with this? That's I public mean, enemy number one in this conversation. Absolutely. That's the number one. With the cops and the growers and the dealers and everybody involved, yes, absolutely. It's 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 overwhelmingly prominent uh, aspect of this issue. It's Sure. I mean, listen, think of it in, in, in the simplest terms. You have no money. You can sell this plant for $20 or you can sell it for $115. Yeah, you, I mean, it makes sense to sell products at prices consumers will pay for them. But it also makes sense to try and bring down price to increase your customer base. And that doesn't happen. Sure. It's, it's like it's like everyone is so happy with the status quo. I think you know. I think the the biggest thing here is one. It, it, there's a lot of greed involved. Two. People are sticking money straight in their pockets. Uh, yeah. What is the true public benefit of a economy, a microeconomy within your state? Obviously, since this isn't a federal thing anymore, within your state where. Ninety-nine percent of that money is going straight to someone's pocket and is not being taxed. I would imagine that ninety-nine percent of revenue related to marijuana is untaxed. I I, I can't prove that right now. This would be a great time to bring on um, someone that has some expertise in the area and interview them. But I bet you that it is really high. How much of the money goes untaxed initially? Now it's all taxed once it's you know towards sales tax and everything, but it's not tax revenues or uh, revenues not taxed um, for the majority of people. And you know, unfortunately, the majority of people I know kind of like the status quo. They like that. They're like, oh, the government's got their hand and everything. It's like, really? Is it? Is it? Is it really that your philosophy is? Is it because the government has their hand in it, or is it because? If you were forced to operate this business like any other business, you wouldn't be able to do it. And I think that there's a lot of that going on. I think there's a lot of people in this business that would not survive if they had to operate it like a regular business. And that 
has been one of the things that keeps the prices so high is the fact that it's like, well, cool, let's stick with the status quo, fifty dollars an eight, sweet. Makes it's it's just a, a bit troubling to me, but um, it is. That's a double standard in itself. The 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 free thinking crowd is sticking with the status quo. Yeah. And that's that's what I see, and I, you know, and it, it's a bit of hypocrisy, and I see it, and I I see it daily, I see it every day, and all these people, I mean, like specifically around here, all these people I know that are like, do they, do you think cannabis should be a crime? Obviously, they don't, they don't, they, they don't want to see themselves as criminals. They grow it, they sell it, but they don't want it legal. They want it to stay kind of where it's at because then they look at their pocketbooks and they realize it's like, oh. And then aren't they doing the same thing that the oil barons did, that all the robber barons throughout our country have done, looking after their own special interest? And now their special interest is actually to keep it illegal? Confusing yeah. to me. You know? It is confusing. But it's very confusing, and I know why people are afraid. People are afraid because if it becomes more legit, there's a good possibility they're not going to have their shit together enough to be able to stay in the business. And... Um, if it becomes more legit, the prices are going to plummet. So to stay in the business is going to be a whole different thing. When prices drop in half, which I can't see any reason why they should, and it would be fairly more for the price. So the, the head of user that spends fourteen hundred a month would spend seven hundred a month if prices dropped in half, and that's still fairly expensive for for medication, in my opinion. And that's a that's a and that's we're talking about in dropping in half. It'd still be still be an expensive sort of medication, you know. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's an interesting uh, topic. I don't know how to address. How do we? The, I think the big question is how do we get to reduce the price structure, or do do we even do we even want to do that? I mean, I don't know. Well. I, I think that I think that what it what it comes down to is um, uh, the market is going to have to it's going to have to to change, um, and we're going to have to stop closing the clubs and reducing competition. Uh, we're going to have to allow these clubs more leniency in producing their own product. Therefore, if they're producing their own product, they can make price whatever they want because it's their profit margin completely. And um, hopefully, uh, we can uh, we can we can make that a, a reality. However, in most of these states now, specifically Colorado and California, what we're trying to do is limit the competition, and that will not help in bringing prices down. Yes. Well, it's something to shoot for, and that's uh, that's an excellent topic. I think it's probably time to wrap us up for today. Um, we thank everybody for listening. This has been the Organic Podcast with Jamie Casanova. And Pot Green, live from Northern Cali. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Join us next time. We'll talk about the legislation around the country, uh, medical cannabis legislation, and more news and a topic of the day. So look forward to hearing from you then. All right. Peace out, people been listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.